Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. I was looking around at all the things that are happening this year. You know, just in a few months, it has been quite a year with, with wars and banking and shootings, and it's, it's had some dark moments. So I was wondering, what are people asking? What are the questions that people are asking in 2023? And uh, so I, I did what anyone else would do. I Googled it. And Googled, I was kind of surprised to, to find out the answer. You know, the number one question that was asked, it's been asked so far in 2023, is what should I watch? <laughs> Second one was, where's my refund? I get that. And then there was the, the other one. It was, uh, what's my IP address? And if you look, if you want some fun, look up sometime, not now, but look up sometime on Google, the top 100 questions in Google and for the year. And you, you'd be surprised. One of them, one of the biggest questions is, what time is it? I am really hoping that means what time is it somewhere else? Because if, if you've got, you got a computer and a phone, you should be able to figure that out. And then there's, what time is it in California is a big question. And I thought, no, you don't want to ask a bunch of Texans what time it is in California. That that is probably not going to pan out well. There is a question that was asked 2,000 years ago that uh, had a lot of meaning and a lot of different answers. It was asked by Pontius Pilate, the one who was responsible for seeing Jesus crucified. And the answer is here, the question is here, it says, Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? What then shall I do with Jesus? Pilate was conflicted because to him, Jesus was a pressure point. Jesus, he knew in his heart that Jesus was different. He knew he was not evil. He knew he was good. And, and yet the crowd was screaming for Jesus to be crucified. Really, Jesus kind of rattled Pontius Pilate. Pilate was probably the most powerful political force right then in Israel. And Jesus rattled his cage pretty good. In fact, he asked Jesus, he said, are you a king? And Jesus answered, yes, he was a king. And when he found out that Jesus had made the claim to being the son of God, it said, the Bible said it caused Pilate to be afraid. So in his heart, he knew that Jesus was different, that Jesus was special, that Jesus was divine, but his head, the crowd kept screaming, crucify him. And Pilate followed his head and followed the crowd, washed his hands of Jesus and had him crucified. To the Roman soldiers at the cross, Jesus was just a regular person. I mean, what kind of person do you want to be and have to be to be on the crucifixion detail? Crucifying people and nailing them to the cross, nailing their hands and feet. I mean, what a horrible way to live. What a horrible way to make a living. And so for them, Jesus was just another person, just a regular guy. And Jesus was one that uh, they didn't really have any regard for. And in fact, the ones that hurt Jesus the most were the ones he prayed for. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus showed his compassion and his kindness, even right in the middle of people who were hurting him. For the religious leaders and the cultural elite of that day, the, the religious elite, Jesus really was a 
problem because he stood against their, their whole basic thinking, their belief systems, the structure they'd set up, and they had taken a religion that was meant to honor God, and they had weaponized it and turned it into something where there were the haves and the have-nots and the, and the different levels and systems, and they used it to demean and put down people. And Jesus, from the very moment that he showed up, was a problem for them because he stood against what they believed and stood for. In fact, if you were a religious leader in Jesus' day and you confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, they would cancel you. You think canceling is recent. They've been canceling people for 2,000 years. And Jesus, they would, they would actually throw you out of the synagogue if you made the claim that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. So this was a challenge. And for them, Jesus needed to be eliminated and they wanted him crucified. For some... Jesus and his followers, he had a lot of followers. And for them, Jesus was the promise of a better life. They had watched him heal the sick, raise the dead, feed the multitudes. They listened to his teaching. They watched how he stood against the religious leaders of that day. And for them, they thought Jesus was just, he was amazing. And surely Jesus was going to be the one who was going to turn the, the, the political power in Israel away from being occupied by Rome and once again restore Israel to a place of prominence. And so they looked at Jesus like, he is our hope, he's the man, this is gonna change. And when they arrested him, many of them were so disappointed because their expectations were here and what happened was here. And in that gap right there is where people get hurt and they turned against him and wanted him crucified. They, they shouted out crucify. And for some who didn't, Want him crucified, they followed him and watched him die on a cross. And the scripture says they just beat their breast and left. All hope gone. He was their promise of a better, of a better life. What shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? It's a great question. And the one who got it right more than anyone else is someone who's rather surprising. It was one of the thieves on the cross. Jesus was crucified between two criminals. The, the Romans were brutal. And just for, for being a thief, they would kill you. And they crucified these two criminals right beside Jesus. And initially, these guys were pouring out a lot of venom on Jesus. And they're hurting. And one of them, something changed. And he had a, a we would call it an epiphany, maybe a revelation, that Jesus was different. Maybe how he watched, how he handled how he forgave, how he was gracious. And they had a whole, and he had a, a different thought about Jesus. Read to here, Luke tells us what happened. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. I love how this thief made Jesus a personal savior. How this thief honored and recognized God. He looked at the other one and said, don't you even fear God. So he acknowledged there is a God and, and he is to be feared and respected. And then he did something that took a lot of courage and a lot of humility. He admitted he was wrong. He admitted he was guilty. He said, we're getting what we deserved. But then he admitted the perfection of Jesus. 
Jesus had never done wrong, never sinned, never missed it. And he looked over at Jesus and he called him Lord, indicating I am placing you above me. You are my Lord. And then he said this very unusual words. He said, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Maybe this thief knew something about that Jesus was a king, but it was not an earthly kingdom, that he was setting up a, a heavenly kingdom and it would be a real life kingdom that still exists today. But he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, would you remember me? And Jesus didn't rebuke him. Jesus didn't talk about his past. Jesus said to him, today you're gonna be with me in paradise. And that gives us one of the greatest promises that we don't have to be perfect to come to the Lord. That all we need to do all we need is to simply be willing to say, you know what, I'm guilty, and Lord, I recognize you as perfect and as my Lord. And it's not whether I'm good enough, it's what Jesus has done. Not long after that, Jesus died. The Bible said he, he cried out and gave up his spirit. And to make sure he was dead, the Romans pierced his, his side with a spear. And they took him down from the cross and they laid him in a tomb that they carved out of rocks. They didn't have graves like we have today. They just carved them out of rocks and they rolled a big stone in front of the rock just to keep anyone from stealing his body. And if the story ended right there, then we would be talking today about a historic event and the tragic ending of a wonderful leader and prophet and servant. But it would be the end. And this would only be history. But three days later, when some ladies came to prepare the body for burial, they were questioning in their, in their heads, how are we going to move this huge stone? This is a big rock. How are we gonna move this stone away? And when they got there, God had already beat them to the punch because an angel had taken the stone and rolled it out of the way and sat on it. I, I kinda like that, it's kinda like stone. And then he looked at these ladies that came and I'm sure they were, they were stunned and amazed and he said, don't be afraid. He said, I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And I'm sure in their amazement and trying to process all that information that's coming, they didn't really understand that by Jesus' death on the cross, his burial and his resurrection, he paid the price for our sins and made it possible for anyone to come to God. He was the bridge between God and man because he was the one that would become the answer and no longer do you have to be good enough or no longer do you have to earn God's acceptance. No longer is it a function of whether your parents or grandparents were Christian. It's only a function now of whether you receive Jesus as a substitute and as the savior for our sins. I was having lunch last year with a friend and she's Jewish and in the middle of lunch, she looked at me and we were, we were talking about about Jesus, and she looked at me, she said, why Jesus, why, she's like, why Jesus? She was frustrated, why Jesus? I don't think I had a good answer then, but here's my answer now, because we can't save ourselves, and we need a savior. And so the question, what then shall I do with Jesus of Nazareth? What shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? That question is more important now than it was when Pilate asked it. For some people, Jesus is just a regular person, good man, moral teacher, great philosopher, established a moral code, servant leader, and they really have no regard for him 
and what he stands for and what he's done, they have no regard. They don't, maybe not opposed to him, just no regard, and they, they kind of ignore him. But you know, if they'll just turn to him, he'll receive them. He's that good. For the intellectual and cultural elite in our day, Jesus is still a problem because he stands against what they believe and what they teach and their philosophy and their, their thinking and their belief system. And you know what? They tried and, and would love to cancel out Jesus' voice of truth and turn out his light, but they weren't able to do it then and they're not going to be able to do it now because truth still stands, his light still shines, and he's still an answer. But what's so ironic is if they would set aside their pride just for a bit, he would still love them and receive them. And they can have the light of life. For many people, they're like Pilate. Jesus is a pressure point. It's a conflict. They know in their heart he's right. They know in, the, in their heart there's, there's something good. Maybe they've even accepted him. But their head is telling them different because maybe the crowd they run with is, keeps pulling them away and you, you don't want to go that Jesus way. You don't, you know, you don't want to do that. I remember when I, I made a decision to receive the Lord. I was The summer I turned 19 years old, I was out selling books uh, for a, a company called Southwestern Door to Door. And when I, went, I went back to college, the crowd I ran with was a pretty loud crowd. They were a party crowd. They, they were not student athletes, they were student partiers. And uh, they... They were a party crowd. And I, I remember I, I was conflicted because in my heart, I, I knew Jesus was right. I knew I'd given my life to him, but my head kept listening to the crowd going, come on, Alan, come with us. And gradually I just fell away to the point where by the time I graduated from college, you couldn't tell any difference between me after and before Jesus. And I was so conflicted at the time. Got a good job with the company and they sent me to train for a week up in a beautiful little town in, in uh, the Shenandoah Valley area of Virginia. And I was training, training during the day and partying really hard at night and did some things that, quite honestly, I wasn't too proud of. And when I left that, that town to go back to my, uh, to my home, I remember I, it was a beautiful summer day and uh, I rolled the windows down on my Plymouth Reliant K car, another thing I'm not proud of. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm driving home and I'm singing. And I'm singing Doobie Brothers, Eagles, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm just singing everything. You say, Alan, do you sing now? Listen, everyone can sing. Not everyone should record. I'm, I'm in the latter group. But I was, just, I was just singing and enjoying the day and somehow I got over into singing Amazing Grace. And I began to sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was as if it, the presence of God came in that car and filled it. And I'm driving down the road and I'm weeping and singing Amazing Grace, save the wretch like me. And I realized something. I'd left Jesus. He never left me. The conflict that I felt but the good news is two months later, instead of following my head, this time I followed my heart. And this time I said, I'm in. That was almost 42 years ago. I'm still in. It can be done. So the commitment and the conflict. 
But if you're there and you're conflicted today, and maybe you're like, eh, man, I know in my heart that's right. Let me encourage you to do what billions have done around the globe. That's what the thief did. Let's make Jesus a personal savior. Personal savior by simply having the, the faith to acknowledge there is a God. And that we're not here by some cosmic accidents. That he is the creator of the heavens and the earth and the universe. And the creator of us. To have the humility to admit that in the presence of a perfect God, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, all of us have sinned. We don't like that thought, but it's a reality. But there's an answer for that. Because when you simply bow your heart and bow your knee and say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, we're cleansed and washed from that sin. And we're given a new heart and a new start. And we get to have a life with him. And now that promise of a better life is heaven when we die, is eternity spent with him, is the peace of knowing that. But there's something more. I mean, this is a really good package deal. When you receive Jesus as Lord, he gives you a new spiritual condition. You become a new creation in Christ. When you receive him as Lord, he promises that he will walk with you and never leave you or forsake you. And the fact that he will help you gives you a basis for not living a life in fear. When you receive him as Lord, then you realize that he makes his peace and his wisdom available to you and they can answer everything that mental health brings up. He's got the answer because he still, still heals broken bodies and he still heals broken hearts. When you receive Jesus as Lord, then you get forgiveness for the past, strength for today, hope for the future. What then shall I do with Jesus, who's called the Christ? In 2005, there was a train wreck in L.A. Train went off the track, killed 11 people, injured so many. One of the first responders was a firefighter. His name was Chief Rosario. He became responsible for getting, making the, pulling out the people and and uh, finding the survivors. And after a number of hours, he thought that they had found all the survivors. No one else left was living. But one of the passengers said, there's another guy, I think he's still alive, he's, he's there. And, and when Chief Rosario said they got the jaws of life and they were able to pull him out. And when they pulled him out, he saw a message. The chief is later recounting what happened to a group of TV reporters. And he recounted the story of the, the, the man they pulled out who was still living. His name was John. John was having trouble breathing. And John thought he was going to die. And so with his very last energy, John wrote a letter to his, a message to his family. I heart my kids. I heart Leslie. Leslie was his wife. When Chief Rosario was telling this, he got choked up with emotions. He said, because I, I found the message that John had written, and John had written that message, and the only thing he had, the only ink he had, which was his own blood. It was a message in blood on the seat back in front of him. And Chief Rosario was choked. He said, he said, can you imagine what kind of love this guy had to write a message like this? And I think, yeah, I can imagine that. What kind of love did God have for us? That he would write a message in the blood of his son. I heart the world. I heart you.
what then shall you do with Jesus, who's called the Christ? Would you bow your head for a moment? Please, no one leaving or moving will be out of here in just momentarily. If you came there, and maybe today you're the one who said, I don't know, I've, I've disregarded Jesus. Maybe I, I just never have really received him as a personal savior. Or maybe you're like I was. You're one today, you're conflicted. Your heart's telling you one thing. Your head's telling you something else. Let me encourage you today, follow your heart. We're gonna say a prayer. Very simple, I'm not gonna have anyone stand up. We're not gonna embarrass anybody. We're not gonna anybody, anybody come down to the front. Not, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to give you an opportunity to connect with the one who loved you, who died for you, but who is raised from the dead, never to die again. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who can become personal to you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. I am gonna ask you to do one thing. If that's you that I'm talking to, and you say, Alan, I, I know I need a savior. I'm not sure where I stand, or I know I need to come back. I've been conflicted, but I wanna come back to him. Would you pray for me? Shoot your hand up just real quick across this auditorium. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you. Anyone else say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. Maybe you don't really trust us that we would do what we said and not call you out. But in your heart, you're just like, man, I won't in on this. Well, you have a chance to get in. We're going to pray and, and you join us. We're going to have whole church family join. You're watching online. If you're by yourself, pray this out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. If you're here, pray it with us. I'm going to lead you in it. You pray it together. Say, dear God. I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who have stepped out of spiritual darkness into the light, and for those who have come back home, we rejoice with them for we know you have wonderful plans for them. And Father, for the rest of us, those who have known you, those who walk with you, thank you that Jesus died. Thank you that he was buried, but thank you that you raised him from the dead never to die again. Lord, we give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.